Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Today we began an all new series titled The Journey. And this series is all about our growth in Christ and the ongoing walk that we have to be in the fullness of God's desire for us. I want you to listen in, take notes, and I'll talk to you at the end of the podcast. Amen. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm great because... I'm saved. Amen. Tell your other neighbor, say, I said I'm great because I'm saved. Amen. You are a great person. Amen. You are full of greatness. Your life is filled with greatness. (laughs) Amen. You need to know that your life is filled with greatness from God. Amen. Amen. We've been made great by his presence in our lives. (laughs) Amen. First of all, before we go any further, welcome to Pastor Lumpkin. Amen. Amen. Let's give Pastor Lumpkin a hand clap for being with us this morning. Came in. This is our friend from way back. Our homie from way back. (laughs) Y'all don't know about homie. Amen. Hey, y'all know about some homie, but y'all don't know about this homie. <laughs> Amen. Praise God for you being here. Amen. We're just going to jump into the word for today. We know we uh, have been talking to you about saying yes to God, and we want to go a little further by changing the subject. <laughs> Amen. We're talking about saying yes, but we want to talk about the journey. Amen. So the next few weeks, I'm going to talk to you about your journey. You really need to understand your journey because your journey is critical because your journey is your life. Amen? Amen. You say yes to God in transactions, but your journey is the whole. Amen? So you say yes to God today, you might say no to God tomorrow, but either yes or no is your journey. Amen. 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 Even when you say no to God, you're on a journey with God. And sometimes you're on a journey with God with you saying no and him telling you what he wants you to do. Somebody say, my name is not Jonah. So I say yes. (laughs) Amen. God did not leave Jonah when he said no. (laughs) God gave Jonah a very specific instruction. Jonah said no. As a matter of fact, you said go left, that means I'm going right, because I don't like what left means. And so I'm going right, and he decided he was going right, but he forgot God is on your left and your right. (laughs) You don't get away from God by going right. (laughs) God is everywhere, amen? I believe David said like this, if I make my bed in heaven, you're there, and if I make my bed in hell, you're still there. Amen. There's no getting away from God. I had to find out. I said there was no God. It didn't stop God from existing. I said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe there's a God. It didn't make God disappear. (laughs) See, what you think doesn't change God. (laughs) Amen. So it's better to understand God and go your journey with God that you can experience the total prosperity that God wants you to have going through it. Amen. Amen. I hinder my own prosperity every time I say no to God. 
Every time God says go this way and I say no, I hinder the blessing of God on my life. Every time I say no, I'm postponing God's blessing on me. And I really want God to bless me while I do wrong. But he don't work like that. (laughs) I was 13 years old. A lot happened when I was 13. I was 13 years old and I snuck out the house one night. And in my possession were the keys to my daddy's car. (laughs) Somebody said that's a boy thing, yeah. And I took them keys, and I've been, I've been, for 13 years, I've been watching people drive. I know I can do it. I just know I can. Oh, I knew I could do it. <laughs> I started that joke up. 1970 Camaro. I started him up. I didn't realize all this time, I didn't realize how much noise he makes when you start him up. <laughs> So one o'clock at night, started him up. I'm sitting down like this here. You know, I'm all legs. My little body ain't that that big. Sitting down along there. I turn. And it's hard to turn. There wasn't power steering back in them days. That was manual. I'm I'm trying to turn it. And it won't turn until you get a little gas on him. I got him out in the street. I drove, I drove all the way around the corner. <laughs> and when I came back around, <laughs> when I came around, my mother and my father were on the, on, on the porch. Yeah, I'm busted. So I pull up, and I can't park. I didn't think about trying to learn how to park, right? So I drove around the corner, and here I am, and they standing out there. I'm thinking, do I just keep driving? <laughs> should I just keep, I think I should probably just keep going. So I stopped the car, and I faced my punishments. And the next day, <laughs> the next day I said, when I turn 16, can I drive? I said, get out of here, what are you talking I don't want to talk about you driving right now after you done know you did wrong. <laughs> and your first question is, when am I going to really get to drive? <laughs> Amen. See, this is part of our journey. All these experiences that we have in the course of our lives, they all make up your human journey. And your journey has ups and downs, and your journeys has things that you try that you know you shouldn't have tried. They think things that you do you know you shouldn't have did. And there are things that you knew you're supposed to do that you did, and you did well. And praise the Lord for all of them. But they all formulate and shape who you are today. And in the moment right here where we are, we are the sum of our journey. We are fully right now the summary of our whole journey. Everything about us, everything we know, everything we understand, everything we've experienced, all has set us right here at this moment. And where we sit right now tells us about who we are. And everybody we know is the same situation. Their journeys, their pains, their, their thoughts, their challenges, things that they've been, been blessed with, things that they have experienced, all those things make them who they are. 
And when you have a journey without a captain, sometimes you go places you didn't have to go. If you go on a journey, you go on a trip, and you decide, I'm just going to buy a map, and I'm going to go wherever I want to go. I'm that kind of person. If I land in a, in a city and I got time, I'm going to see everything I can see. And I'm not asking nobody no questions. I'm just going wherever I want to go. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I took a flight into one particular city. I'm not going to say where it was. And I wanted to see this particular stadium because I love stadiums. I, got, I love to see stadiums. So I went and I drove to this neighborhood where this stadium was. And number one, I don't know the city, so I don't know that this stadium is not in the best part of town. <laughs> and so I drive to the stadium. I'm driving around. And I was, going, I was driving down the street. And all of a sudden, inside of me rose up something that said, turn around. And so I didn't turn around, I kept driving. And I got about another block down, and in the street was probably about 45 people out in, in the middle of the street. And, and it, it said, I told you to turn around. <laughs> so I made my hard U-turn and got out. So what am I telling you that? I'm telling you that if I had asked somebody, I would have been told, drive past the stadium and keep driving. Don't drive a circle around the stadium, because that ain't cool. The Bible is filled with instructions. Things that you should do and things that you should not do. Things, places to go and places not to go. Things you want and things you don't want. And it's written by account of people who've already been there. <laughs> Who can instruct you and guide you, tell you, do not go over there. Amen. We know that about our Bible. However, the Bible is written as a, in a large book. It is a, as a book full of 66 different books collectively together by 45 different voices. They're all telling us different things. And they speak, though, as one voice. And so we have this Bible written by these different people at these different times and different seasons, but it always points back to the same thing. There is a theme that runs through the Bible, and that theme that runs through the Bible is Christ in us is going to be the hope of your glory. The Christ in you is going to be the hope of your glory. When you read the Old Testament, it's pointing to Christ. When you read the New Testament, it's the revelation of Christ. When you get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's telling you the application of Christ. And so when you look at the Bible, it is telling you all along that Christ in us is the hope of glory and your personal journey is going to be enhanced when you learn to have Christ be the center of your life. Yeah. If you're going to operate with Christ at the center, then there are certain things you will avoid and there are certain things you will go through prepared to go through. Amen? Certain things are unavoidable. You must go through them. But when you go through them in Christ, you go through them prepared for them. Amen? Sickness has to come. You know why? Because it's in the earth. You cannot live this life without getting sick. There's going to be something that attacks your physical body. You are going to go through it. However, you can go through it in Christ. Amen? Amen? And going through it in Christ is different than going through it without Christ. 
Amen. Amen. Some point, everybody in here is going to face death. You're going to face it one day or another. You can't get around it because the word tells us it's appointed for men one time to die. And after that, the judgment. But unfortunately, some, some of us die all the time because the fear of death keeps us dying all the time. And we're worried about dying. So we die again and again and again and again instead of living until I die. Amen. Fear will make you live death over and over again. You, you live through the scenarios. You live through the, con the thought about it. The, you live with it hovering over you. I can't do this. I can't do that. Maybe I do this. Maybe don't. You've got all these things that come up, And death will live over and over and over every day. Until you put death where it's supposed to be. I've already died. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm on my journey. <laughs> Galatians chapter 2. I got to set you up to receive what I'm going to give you. Amen? We're going to begin at verse 15. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 through 21. It said, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. So you never said you were born a Gentile if you weren't born a Jew. Amen. So that means he's talking to you. How many of y'all was born Jews in here? Born Jewish. Amen. I want to ask to make sure. I want to make sure I'm talking to the right crowd. Amen. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by what? In Jesus Christ. Knowing that a man is not justified by the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. First of all, you're justified not by laws and rules. Now, that's important to understand because there are people who have violated laws and rules that we look at and we don't feel that they can be justified. Amen? And usually if they broke a law or a rule toward us <laughs> is when they most can't be justified. Amen? <laughs> Amen. That we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Nobody is ever going to be justified because of their works. There are whole religions that are based on good works. And good works without Christ are dead works. The book of Hebrews tells us that we need to be aware of dead works repentance from dead works in other words recognize that works done outside of christ are dead works and that we need to have a change of heart about trying to be justified by those things and so i'm talking to people who understand the grace of god amen but understand that there's a there's a segment of people who we are ministering to day to day whose life has been persuaded that they can be justified by their works and there are people you're trying to minister to you're trying to bring christ to and they say i'm okay because i do good works and you need to understand it so that you can help them understand your good works won't justify you. Amen. 
Amen. Good works are, are, are sometimes done by bad people. <laughs> My father used to call it honor among thieves. When a group of thieves are all together, we, we don't steal from each other. <laughs> we thieves, but we ain't stealing from each other. That's our, our honor among thieves. But when we go out of here, we're taking everything we can. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Doing good works in a, in a specific setting. Amen. Listen, verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? In other words, if I'm saved by, if, I, if, if grace is what saves me, and it's not the laws, and, I'm, and I break laws, but I'm still justified by Christ, doesn't make that Christ the author of sin? No, it means me doing wrong when Christ has given me rope. <laughs> Amen. Verse 18, for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live, what? To God. In other words, you have to die to the law. If you are someone who judges others by the law, you need to die to the law. Because otherwise, you will always judge people. You will never allow people to live through the grace of God. Because your judgment is always going to hold them accountable for things that God is trying to get them over. Now, does that mean that we go out and sin because we know the grace of God? No, that isn't what it means. It means that we understand that it's going to be by relationship to God that we're going to be made justified and not by our works and rules that we impress other people with. I know, other pe I know some people who I've had conversation with who their impression is that they're better than others because they do good works. It's real. It's real. Amen. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me. in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ has died in vain. If righteousness comes by keeping laws, then there's no need for Jesus, because if you can keep the law, do your thing. Amen? Listen, this is important to understand because this is the foundation of your redemption. And in the church of Jesus Christ, we have not given enough attention to the power of our redemption. We haven't given enough attention to understand that when I, meet, when I say I'm saved, when I'm saved, saved by the grace of God, when I say that, it means something. And we forgot about the flame of hell. <laughs> we forgot about hell. That there's a destination that all men go to when we don't give our lives to Christ, and it's called hell. We forgot about that. So when we say, I'm saved, we take it light. No, it's, it's a big thing. <laughs> and then we have to then understand, not only do we escape hell, but God has now said, now your eternal life no longer begins when you physically die. It begins when you die and you come into Christ. 
Christ in me, I have died to the law. And when I died to the law, I received everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Everything. In other words, I've been made complete in Christ. And you need to understand, I'm complete. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm complete. I lack nothing. Now, next time the enemy tries to get you to worry, your confession needs to be, I'm complete in Christ and I lack nothing. <laughs> when worry comes at you, your confession needs to be, you know what? I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. I've been redeemed, bought with a Christ, price, the blood of Jesus, and I lack nothing. <laughs> See, that's a confession of faith that you have to master. Because it's easy to just say, praise the Lord, I know that. But then, man, when am I going to pay this bill? <laughs> I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. <laughs> kind of you worry to death, okay? How can you answer your phone when I called you, Connie? Connie called you 25 times in 35 minutes. How come you didn't answer your phone? I was worried about you, Connie. I was worried. <laughs> my confession of worry is saying, where's my faith? <laughs> where's my faith? If I'm worried, where's my faith? Connie answered phone, something must be wrong. And then you start rehearsing, man, okay, this could have happened. Oh, she told me she was driving to San Francisco. She may have fell off the bridge. Man, she told, me, she told me she was going over here. Oh, you know, this happened, this happened. You know, oh, oh all, your, all the stories in our head start to tell us, you ain't got no faith. Something's wrong with Connie. You go to the doctor and he says, he said, how long has that big toe been looking like that? <laughs> like what? You know, it's all, <laughs> it's all turned to the side. <laughs> how long has it been looking like that, man? Oh, I don't know. What's, what's wrong? Well, have you heard of uh, uh, California's disease? No, I never. It, man, it, it makes big toes turn much like that. <laughs> oh, Lord. You come home, you, you're going to Google California's disease. You're going to go to, you know, what's, what's it called? My, what's it called? What's, what's the medical one? WebMD? Yeah, WebMD. You WebMD your symptoms? It said, oh, yeah, big toes fall off when you get that. <laughs> so, oh, no. Oh, man. I didn't know. I, man, I went for a checkup. I didn't know the big toe was in danger like this. Ain't nothing wrong with your, ain't nothing wrong with your big toe. But you will start to author stories because the reality of our redemption has to be pushed further into our lives. The truth of our redemption, the truth of being saved and what it means, it has to be implanted deeper into our lives because we still have things we have to weed out of us. It's called the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. In other words, there's a perfect will of God that he has for us that we haven't got to because we haven't fully renewed our mind and we haven't fully understood our redemption. We haven't even read our Bible in the light of our redemption. What does Genesis mean when we think about the fact that I'm redeemed? What does the book of Genesis chapter 1, what does the story of Adam mean when I think about it in terms of the fact 
Jesus has come and redeemed me, become the second Adam. And now when I look back at what that says, I understand, man, God is a God of love and God wants to put a garden around my life. My God is a father who desires to build. He will take six days to prepare something for me to enter into. And wherever I step into, I know I'm there with six days of preparation before me. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you, whenever your circumstances arise, tough circumstances get there, you need to know God already thought about this six days ago. Come on. <laughs> Amen. You got a letter in the mail from the IRS saying you got a bill that you got to pay. Amen. Pastor Edward, how long did he think about it? Amen. <laughs> it's a surprise to him. It ain't a surprise to God. God's already thought about it. And guess what? That thing was put in the garden. <laughs> Come on, y'all. That thing was then imported into the garden for you to then have dominion over because why? God's already made you and created you to have dominion over all things. That's my redemption. My redemption is that I have dominion over the things around me. Amen? Come on. <laughs> Come on. See, Pastor Ed was with me. Amen. He got a letter from the IRS. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He told y'all about his letter. Amen. $75,000 bill from the IRS? Come on, listen to it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but it was reduced to naught because God's already looked ahead and made a provision. Amen. God didn't, God didn't on the first day say, I'm about to make a man. No, God said, I'm about to make something, and let me start with all the preparation that's going into it, and on day six, I'm going to make a man. <laughs> but I'm going to prepare the place for him before he get there, amen? Jesus told his disciples, he said, my father's house has many mansions. I'm going ahead to make a place for you. <laughs> amen? The place you get to, whenever you get somewhere, it's already been prepared for you. You just don't realize it's prepared. Amen? You just don't realize that where you are, God's already made something around you. It's already prepared. Your way has been prepared. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. In other words, I never step anywhere God has not already ordained that I step. Amen? Even when he knew I was going to say no and go right. <laughs> Amen? God calls Jonah and says, Jonah, you are going to Nineveh, and you're going to preach to those people. But the Bible says God has prepared a big fish for him over here. How's the fish prepared when he sent him over there? Because God already knew he was coming over here. Amen? <laughs> Come on. God prepared a big fish for Jonah. Amen? Even when you don't do what God tells you to do, something's prepared for you. <laughs> Amen? Come on, say my journey. <laughs> Amen? Your journey's prepared for you. <laughs> Whether you say yes or no, Amen. your journey's prepared. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm going the way God says. <laughs> no big fish required. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Turn to 2 Peter. Let's go back where we were studying a few days ago. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Amen. No big fish required for me. Amen. 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to go to verse 2. When you get there, say, praise the Lord for my journey. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Woo, I ain't got enough time. Praise the Lord. I, mean, I got, yes, I do. I got just the right amount of time. Hey, praise the Lord. Second, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. First of all, grace and peace is multiplied through your knowledge of Christ. The more you know God, the more the grace is multiplied to you. The more peace is multiplied to you. The more you know God. Amen. Tell your neighbors, I'm so glad I know. Hallelujah. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things, mm, mm, mm. as his divine power has given us all things. I know you've seen this verse a couple of times over the last few weeks, but I want you to meditate on this. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. <laughs> in other words, everything I need in my life, his divine power has already provided and everything I need to live the God kind of life is already provided. Yes. Amen. Everything I need to live the God kind of life has been provided. In other words, the God kind of life has already been provided for me to overcome my anger issue. Yes. Amen. The God kind of life has already been created to provide for our issues of every form. No matter what your issue is, you say, man, I can't, I can't get over this. Yeah, you can. You're just going to have to get in Christ to get over it. Amen? You can get over it, but you got to get in him to get through it and to get over it. Why? Because his divine power is what gives you the ability to get through whatever it is. Amen. Spirit of fear is on your life. His divine power has got an answer for it. Fear of death is on your life. His divine power has got an answer. Whatever it is we're dealing with, his divine power has given us Everything. Tell your neighbor, say, I lack nothing. Nothing. I lack nothing. 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 I lack nothing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So when somebody's trying to get me to negotiate, I don't have to negotiate because I lack nothing. <laughs> See, Satan tried to negotiate with Jesus in the wilderness. He said, hey, look, if you bow down and worship me, I'll take care of you. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. He said, nope. And he responded with the word. Man's got to go live by bread alone, by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't need food from you. <laughs> you should worship the Lord, your God, and him alone. In other words, I don't have to bow to you. <laughs> I lack nothing. See, there's an attitude of understanding your redemption that you need to understand you lack nothing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Meditate on that. Verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And we talked to you before, to become a partaker means that you have entered into partnership. Tell your neighbor, say, I am God's partner. Amen. I serve God because I'm his partner. Amen. 
I serve God because I'm like, you remember, y'all remember Sanford and Son? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Son was the partner with the Father. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now say, I'm God's partner. <laughs> I'm his child and I'm his partner. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> See, I'm going somewhere with you. I want you to understand something about your journey. It said we have become, because of these exceedingly great and precious promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. We become God's partner because of the promises he's made to us. See, I promise, I promise my kids a few things. There's an assumed promise. Kids are born. The promise is, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to work. I'm going to make sure you got what you need. If I can't afford something, I'm going to get you the substitution for it. I'm going to make the best out of what I got. Whatever I got belongs to you. When I leave this place, whatever I got when I leave is yours. Those are assumed promises. Amen? Now, those assumed promises then have to be received. So then the child has to say, oh, praise the Lord, my parents gave me. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mama. Thank you for what you've done. Or, is that all I got? Where's the Xbox? <laughs> uh, pajamas? Again? <laughs> I got pajamas again? See, <laughs> gratitude is what comes out of our appreciation of what God has done for us. But there are things that sometimes we experience it because we don't understand God's already made a way around us. When certain things come in, we asking God, why this? My mother bought me a Bible one time for Christmas. I opened the box and I was a Bible. And I said, a Bible? <laughs> for Christmas? I got a Bible for Christmas? What? <laughs> and I put, and she, she had written inside of it and everything. She was all happy to give it to me. And I put that Bible down. I didn't, read, I didn't look at that Bible for at least 10 years. And then I gave my life to Jesus. And I said, oh, I got a Bible. And I opened that, Bible, opened that Bible up, and my mother had written in it, the words of this book are going to bless your life. Mom, 1977. Woo, God looks ahead and makes a provision. Amen. An atheist gave his life to Jesus, his mother already had a Bible, already prepared for him. Amen. Because why? God already has put things around us. Amen? Listen. Go to uh, uh, 3 John chapter 2. Let's hit that and then I want to I launch you to where I'm trying to take you. 3 John chapter 2. His divine power has already provided everything for us. Amen? John Excuse me, 3 John, one of the shortest books in the Bible. No chapters. <laughs> just, the, just that one chapter, amen? 
verse 2. And this is the Apostle John, the elder John, speaking to a man by the name of Gaius. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. I want you to understand something about prosperity. The two words prosper and prospers in this passage, their, their Greek meaning means to be equipped for a journey. So we think of prosperity as just money and wealth or whatever, but the word prosper actually doesn't mean that. The word prosper means to be equipped for a journey. They had an old saying that said, prosper thee well, when somebody was leaving somewhere. That means, I pray that you have everything you need to get where you got to go. <laughs> Amen. So guess what? For the next few weeks, I'm going to be your prosperity preacher. <laughs> the next few weeks, I'm going to preach prosperity to you till you can't take no more. Amen. <laughs> till you can't take no more. I wish he would stop talking about my life being prosperous. That's what y'all gonna say. <laughs> Nobody say that, huh? Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Now we already read that the word tells us that his divine power has provided for us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So I'm going to talk to you over and over and over again about God's provision for your life. What God has already provided, what has God already made available for your life and how do you access it and how do you run with it and then how do you teach other people that they're supposed to have it? <laughs> Amen. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, I lack nothing. Amen. 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 Go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And we're going to get ready to, to get you your first lesson on prosperity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew 6 and 24. I'm going to tell you things that you'll know with your mind, but I need you to open your spirit and receive it. Amen. And when you receive it, receive it like you know you've got to teach it to somebody else. Amen. Come on. These things you see and heard, heard of me, commit them to faithful people. I'm going to tell you stuff I know. I'm going to commit it to you as faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 2 and 2. Amen. No, I, I, you go, you're in the right place. I'm telling you what I just quoted. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters. Amen? If you're going to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, it means your soul 
and your spirit have to be going after the same things. <laughs> so your spirit is going to pursue God. Your spirit is going to cry out for God. When you get, sometimes you, you wake up and you say, I'm hungry. And you go to the refrigerator and you look in the refrigerator and, and nothing in the refrigerator you want. It's not because there's not something to eat in there. It's because it ain't your body that's hungry. <laughs> What's hungry is your spirit is hungry and your spirit needs to get fed and you need to get something in your spirit. So when your spirit is saturated, then your body won't be craving certain things anymore. Amen? Amen. Come on. Give you, you all done it. We looked in there. Ain't nothing in there. And you went back to sleep. And then why? Because it wasn't your body that was hungry. Because if your body was hungry, it would say, we eat now. Your body would say something, that, that coconut cream pie, that, that those, those leftover ribs in there. That, that, they would have locked on something. If your body was really hungry, it would have locked on something in there. Amen? But it's not your body that was hungry. <laughs> it's your spirit that's hungry. Amen? But he says, he said, I pray and beloved that you're, you're, you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. How come he didn't say as your spirit prospers? Because your spirit's already prospering. It's your soul that needs to be put in line with your spirit so that it's aligned. And when your spirit and your soul are aligned, you can't be stopped. When the spirit that's aligned with God lines up, when that soul aligns up with it, that's the renewing of your mind that gets locked in the same place where God is. Guess what? You got an attitude. You can't be stopped. <laughs> Amen. Somebody said invincible. That's what you become. That's why, that's why in that teaching, Peter told you, he said, these things, you got to add, you got to add these things. Because when these things are yours, you'll never stumble. You'll be invincible. You won't be able to be stopped. Amen? Amen. Look, no one can serve two masters. When your soul and your spirit are serving two separate masters, you live in turmoil. You live in turmoil when your soul and your spirit are serving two masters. Because your soul is crying out for X and your spirit is saying, we want God. But when God and X can't live in the same room, whose report are you going to believe? And when you go after what your soul wants, you satisfy your soul and you still remain empty. It's like leftover Chinese food. You ate and you, you're done with the whole box and you're still hungry. <laughs> Amen. All right. I'm, I, I preach about, I'm, when it's 12 o'clock, I should not be preaching about food. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You cannot serve two masters. If you're going to prosper in the things of God, you have to learn which master to serve. And your worry is going to try to be a master to you. Your concern with situations is going to try to be your master. It's going to try to make you do things. And you're going to try to serve that master. And you're going to, in the service to that master, you're going to despise the things of God. Because I know people, I know people who I've ministered to. I've been telling them, you know, you're in a situation. This is what you got to do. Say, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. I don't have time to pray right now. I'm doing this. Wait a minute. You got to pray to know how to deal with this. Amen. See, you're serving the wrong master. You're serving your worry. You're feeding your worry. And because you're feeding your worry, you're calling out to God out of fear when God says what pleases me is faith. 
Without faith, it's going to be impossible to please me. So you're over here feeding your worry, and God is saying, just come over here, and I got your back. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I'll read the whole thing, and I'm, I'm on lock down when we get to the end of this. Y'all understand what I'm saying. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Ask your neighbors, and who's your master? Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cupid to his stature? Tammy, dear, bring your beautiful self up here for a second. Come here. I want you to worry yourself to my height. I'll just keep faking it. <laughs> <laughs> we are 100% equal, but she can't worry herself to my size. Why? Worry doesn't, because worry don't make you grow. Amen. Like my, my, friend, my friend was having a problem with his, his follicles on top of his head. <laughs> and I looked at him one day and said, I said, brother, when did you grow through your hair? <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, that's another, that's, that's another story. I'm sorry. That was mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You can acquire all the clothes you want. You're still not going to be as beautiful as a flower. You, you, oh, you got it all together, but you, don't, you, you can't match the glory of the Lord out there. Amen. I like your designer stuff. But a good view of the bay is more beautiful. A good view of what God created with his hands is just awesome. Amen? So, verse 30. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which he today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The key is our faith. Verse 31, therefore, we do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after, here's what I want you to, to embrace. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows these things, knows that you need all these things. Now, some people say, well, I don't need, I don't need cars. I don't, I don't need this stuff. You know, that's just the world out there. No, I need all that stuff. <laughs> I need the car. As a matter of fact, I, I need another car. <laughs> Amen. I got nice clothes, but I, I, I can use more clothes. <laughs> but I'm not going to sweat my life out trying to get that stuff. No. Amen. There's a difference in having stuff and your life being about the pursuit of that stuff. Because after all, that stuff is what the Gentiles are looking for. And when they find those things and they amass $140 billion, they get divorces. When they have 
conquered the world and done everything and they got platinum albums, they can't sleep at night. When they've accumulated all the things that they pursued and found, they realize I don't still don't have enough. Why? Because that's what Gentiles, those who are not born with a covenant with God, that's what they seek. And guess what? Y'all are Gentiles. We established that earlier today. Amen. Remember when I asked you, was any of y'all born Jews? <laughs> y'all thought I was just talking, huh? You were born a Gentile, and after all, that stuff is what you, by nature, as a Gentile, seek after. But we need to do something different. Come on. But, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. In other words, worry's already got its own program. And you don't need to get into it. Amen? Now, what does this have to do with your journey? You're either going to spend your journey in worry, or you're going to spend your journey in faith. So you're going to either spend your journey in worry, seeking after, pursuing things that you can never obtain. I like there's a passage, I don't have this chapter and verse right now. There's a chapter in the book of, of Proverbs that says, will you spend your energy on that which is not? For surely riches, when you get close, will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle toward heaven. <laughs> Amen. Will you pursue that which is not? In other words, you're running after resources and money, and it will, as soon as you get into its grasp, it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle take off and fly, but you, he looks like he's moving slow, like you can keep chasing him, but he's moving fast and you ain't going to catch him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Do not worry about tomorrow. Your journey. Kingdom prosperity is the opposite of worldly prosperity. The pursuit of worldly prosperity means you get a target or a goal, you pursue that goal and you try to get it and you go after it without all your might. Kingdom prosperity has you start with seeking first the kingdom, looking for God, and letting God then, through the process of coming to know him, take you into all other things. My joke when me and Tammy first got married, I was still trying to get my, I was saved, but I was still trying to get my mind renewed and I was, trying, I was still trying to become this and trying to become that. And the joke was she was collecting all these business cards I had, right? Because I had a business card at this job, and I had a business card at that job, and I had a business card at that job, and I was, all, I, was, I was being something all the time. I was always trying to be something, right? And then God showed me who I was. <laughs> then, then, then all of a sudden the kingdom hit me, and then who I was became, and all of a sudden the things that had eluded me before, they came to me. <laughs> Amen. I told you I was a job I needed. Somebody walked up to me and told me about the job. I went to the interview and it wasn't an interview. It was just a let's meet and let's tell you when you're going to start. Why? Because I started seeking the kingdom and all of a sudden things were getting added to me. Amen. Amen. I was minding my own business. I asked God for some money. I was minding my own business. I'm doing my job. Matter of fact, I was conducting interviews. I was trying to hire somebody for my team. And I got a phone call, and, and, the, and the assistant came in, and she said, uh, the director needs to see you right now. I said, tell him. 
I'm in an interview. I can't come right now. Tell, just find out when I can. She said, no. He said, forget the interview. You come now. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> forget the interview. She said, I told him you were doing interviews. He said, I don't care. Tell him to come now. I was like, oh, no, that ain't good. Then I had to get myself together. And I went in there. He said, I got a new job for you. You start right now. Right now? Right now. Come on. I was like, George, I was moving on up. <laughs> I had my box. I was moving on up. I went on upstairs. Hey, all right. Where'd that come from? It came from God. I wasn't looking for it. It came from God's favor. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I'm making, I'm making jokes about this stuff, but this is my life. This is how God's been working with me. I'm trying to tell you what God has been doing, how God works. If we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, what is his kingdom? His kingdom is all this stuff out here. Everything he made is his kingdom. His righteousness is the right relationship with him. Seek ye first the kingdom. What is God doing? And his righteousness. I'm in right position with God. And all things will be added to you. Everything will be added to you. Amen. Everything you need is going to get added to you. Amen. The favor of the Lord will follow you. Goodness and mercy, as we talked about this morning in prayer, will follow you every day. Every day. The prosperity of God will follow you every day. There is nothing that I really need that God has not provided right on his time and more than what I expected. Amen. Come on. God does not get me over. God takes me all the way over. Amen. Come on. And that's what he does for his people because the word says God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, God don't have some special crown princess that he holds to the side. No, he's got his people who all become one in Christ. Yeah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, whoever got it, whoever got it. I, can I can get it. Because God, because God is, no is no respecter of persons. He is not a respecter of persons. God will bless our lives. Amen. Yes. Come on. God's going to bless our lives. Amen. We're going to live the blessing. Amen. Yes. Come on. And good. Guess what? If if you see my wife drive up in something beautiful, don't hate. Participate. Amen. <laughs> don't hate. Participate. Get it. Oh, how'd you get that? Yeah. This is what this is what we did. We wrote down the word of God. We started confessing yeah. the word of God. We started believing God. We started putting God first in all things. Yeah. And guess what? God blessed us. So we walked on the lot. We needed to get a car. And the car we looked out in the lot and it was sitting by itself like light was shining on top of it. Come on. That's how she got the car. She got now. <laughs> we were we were minding our own business. Well, we, we need, hey, you know what? We need to get another car. Mm, uh, let's go. Look, let's just go. Where are we going to go? And she said, well, you get a car. I said, no, I don't, you get a car. And we, was, we arguing over who's going to get a car. No, you get one. No, you get one. She said, well, let's go look. And so she took me to look at the thing that she wanted, that we thought I wanted. And I looked at her and said, this ain't it. Let's go. Let's just look for you. And so we went to another lot, looked for what she wanted. And when we went there, it, it was. It was almost like we went in, we walked in the door. We're sitting down. No, no, we were online. That's right. We were online. We looked online. And we looked online. And when we put up online, Boom, and then the name sealed it. <laughs> we looked at the we looked at looked at the car, and looked at the color of the car, and the car said Dolomite Brown. <laughs> we said that's the one we got to have. <laughs> Dolomite Brown, that's us. <laughs> 
You think I'm joking and I'm not. I'm serious. The, the color of that car is Dolomite brown. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> New models are called Dakota brown. Uh, I, might, I might tell you that now. Amen. <laughs> Again, I, I, I joke about a lot of stuff, but I'm telling you straight. Yes. It is putting God first in all things. Us learning to put God first and he does things for us. We delight ourselves in God, in the Lord, and he grants to us the desires of our heart. And when he comes to give us the desires of our heart, when we've drawn near to him, our desires get filtered. Our desires start getting filtered and all the world system gets filtered off of our desires. And, and some of the things that we, we want because the world says we have to have them, it gets filtered. And all of a sudden you hit the real desire of your heart. And rather than get something and, and have it for a little while and say, why did I get this? You get it and you look at it five years later and say, that was a blessing from God. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yes. It's a blessing. Yes. So when we, get, when we get things and it's still the world is still pushing us to things, we get them and we look at it and we have buyer's remorse. Yeah. Yeah. That's buyers. What's that? That means the world pulled us into something that wasn't really the desire of our heart. But man, but we're going to teach you how to prosper yes. and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. 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 Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's, let's praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God. Whether you understand it or not, I'm discipling you into the things of God. You've been listening to today's message titled The Journey, and I want to thank you for being with us today. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on that site, you're going to find more information about us, some exciting things that are going on around the church, and our events calendar. And you'll also find other messages that may be of interest to you by myself and some of our associate pastors here at Abundant Life Worship Center. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly. Mm -hmm.